Congratulations to Cameron Smith, the winner today at the British Open. How about this? The top two finishers at the Open Championship named Cameron. Cameron Smith finishing 20 under. Cameron Young, 19 under. And Rory McIlroy, third place finish. Womp womp. I was two shots back, 18 under. So that's it for the... Uh, British Open at St. Andrews. And, of course, I think a lot of us will always remember Tiger walking down the fairway on 18. Uh, that would have been Thursday? No, Friday. Pardon me, Friday. And knowing that he probably was never going to play in the British Open again at St. Andrews. Yeah. All good things come to an end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Tiger, best golfer of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, there's never been... I don't know if there's ever been anybody better at anything than he was at golf at the peak of his game. Yeah, just un. Unreal. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Warriors wrapping up Summer League, the Las Vegas portion of their Summer League today, and we're talking basketball. Kevin Michael, Whitey Gleason, Jason Dumas. We touched on the fact that this week, Bobby Marks, former NBA assistant general manager, currently an ESPN front office analyst, he said, hey, you know what? Michael Jordan's number one all-time right now. I'd have to say Steph is number two. Hmm. Is there even really a discussion to be had there? Did Steph play so well this postseason that he's now number two all time? Before we get back to the phones on the text line here, Greg and SF, good to hear from you, Greg. He says, LOL, without a three-point line, would Curry even be in the top 100? Not criticizing him for taking advantage of a way to play, but please, he's not better than Wilt, Kareem, Magic, Bird, etc. Just nonsense. But you can't remove that fact from the conversation. The fact that you have the three-point shot, and he's better at it than anyone's ever been. Oh, yeah, he's the best three-point shooter of all time. But this is what happens when you do the star whole ranking thing. Mm-hmm. It, you get comments like that, and I'm not even saying it's a dumb comment. It's just this is what this is the Pandora's box you open when you start ranking players. From the 415, Lakeb isn't even the wealthiest owner. He just is willing to spend. So let's get Who to the, the wealthiest owner. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Does it matter? They're all wealthy. Mm-hmm. Very wealthy. Mm-hmm. Very wealthy. But we'll get that. Brian will get that information for you. 888-957-9570. It's a good question. I want to know the answer. Mark in San Francisco joins us on 95.7 The Game. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well, gentlemen. You know, I want to get your take on a couple things. I'm not for uh, trading away our young players on the Warriors. I like the way we're going. They've got three Hall of Famers to mentor them. And my, my biggest concern is Memphis. Memphis is loaded with young talent. They probably had a tremendous draft to add to what they already have. If we give up our young talent, we're going to concede the future to Memphis. And I don't want to see that happen. And i got to give them credit. Memphis is a, is a front office we're going to have to deal with. They're good. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I just I think the front office is right there with you. I don't think they want to give up on the, uh, the youngsters' timeline either. So... I think you can rest assured, unless some tremendous deal becomes available. Um, you know, I, I don't think Kevin Durant's going to be enough to get Joe Lacob and ownership to decide, yeah, let's uh, let's trade some of our youngsters. Yeah, Memphis, uh, the best player I've seen in summer league is Kenny Lofton Jr. He wasn't even drafted. He's so good. And he's on Memphis. Uh, I don't know how he wasn't drafted. Who did they take in? The, did they have any draft picks? The trick for a team like Memphis is they had that wonderful year and they've been on the rise and they've got Brandon Clark and they've got all that talent, you know, and he didn't even start four times last year. So now how do you get from where they were 
Uh, they also lost a uh, slow-mo, right? Uh, he's going to Minnesota now. But how do you get from where they've been to getting better? Because you have to get better every year. So what are they going to do? It's not easy. Yeah. So Memphis had Memphis had one draft pick, Vince Williams Jr. from VC, VCU. But their best draft, their best rookie is Kenny Lofton Jr., the guy who's on the two, two-way. I have no idea how he did not get drafted from Louisiana Tech. Hmm. Uh he he reminds me of Zach Randolph. Mm-hmm. He's like a six seven two. He's good. He good. He had like twenty nine points. He killed Chet Holmgren. Um, so he's not like his dad, who was a guard, right? Who uh, Kenny Lofton? Yeah, yeah. Or is that is that yeah? Is, it, is that or is it a different Kenny Lofton? I I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think that's his dad. All right. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seventy. Janet in Berkeley on ninety five seven. The game. Hello, Janet. Thanks for hanging on. What's up? Hi. Hi. Hey, guys. I just want to say I think LeBron is actually a really great player, and he's amazing. But you, when you look at the athleticism that Steph puts out there on the court in terms of his agility, you can compare that to the way Muhammad Ali could move around the big guys when he took them down. And, you know, you can't look at weight. You can't look at, you can't look at size as your total determinant. I think LeBron is great, but he didn't do anything new for the game. He came in and played the game the way everybody else has played it. Steph changed the game. He changed it. Thank you, Jim. I don't disagree with that. Also, Kenny Lofton Jr., dad, did not play in the NBA. So, uh, But is it the baseball player, Kenny Lofton, or is it someone else? No, no. Uh -uh, The baseball is his dad. His dad, uh, according to Wikipedia, Kenny Lofton Jr.'s dad, Father served in the U.S. Army and worked for the United States Postal Service for 18 years. Gotcha. <laughs> Not Kenny Lofton. But anyway, uh, I kind of like Kevin Porter Jr. Like, there used to be a guy named Kevin Porter in the NBA, but that ain't his dad. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I agree with that caller. Yes, Steph did Janet? change the game. Mm-hmm. He did. He changed the game for sure. Did you see that viral clip of the kid hitting the shot and then laying down on the court? Oh, I I saw something about yeah. that. Didn't actually see the clip, but yeah, yeah. LeBron James quote tweeted it and tagged Steph and said, "Look what you started, man." Yeah. <laughs> From night night to just laying down on the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was on with uh, Larry Kruger last week, and he had an interesting point about all this, and it kind of relates to what Janet said. Typically, when we judge the best in anything, we quite often lean towards the most powerful, the strongest, the biggest. And and Steph's never been that. He's been more of a finesse player. So you could argue that in some ways, perhaps he hasn't gotten a fair shake in this conversation because he is smaller. But if you look at it in terms of his impact on the game, yeah, I mean, in terms of his impact on the game, in that sense, I think he's up there with in some ways with Will Chamberlain. Yeah, 100%. His his impact on the game has been crazy. The game has literally played a different way because of him. Mm-hmm. He sparked that change. Uh, it's just amazing. He's been able to be so terrific on the court, so terrific off the court. His philanthropy is amazing. You know, he's great with the media. The Bay Area got like, you know, no one's perfect. I'm not calling Steph Curry, Curry perfect. He's not. We, we're we all imperfect human beings. But the Warriors got as great of an ambassador and an athlete to represent their community as you can get. Mm-hmm. And this will be year 14 coming up for Steph, I believe, right? 
Um, just in, I, I think the Bay Area does. So I'm not saying this because I think they don't, but just appreciate what you got because guys like Steph Curry do not come around. No, I enjoy comparing guys of today to guys of yesterday. And I know some people feel like we do that too much and maybe we do, but to me, it's kind of fun. One of the guys that I compare Steph to, and it's not even so much the way they play, but in terms of the selfless leadership, I compare Steph to Tim Duncan. Yeah. Because I think those are two guys that were phenomenal players who were more about, they truly were about how can we win? What do I have to do to make sure that we have the best chance to win as an organization? That's who I compare him to. And that's very, very rare. And that's not a criticism of anyone who's not like that because it takes a special type of guy. But yeah, that's that's who Steph reminds me of in terms of his his need to win and his willingness to do what needs to be done for his team to win is, uh, is Tim Duncan. Yeah, and Tim did it. Did it on the court, off the court, and Tim has four too, right? They had, yeah, yeah. Or does he have five? I think the Spurs won the five. Well, I'll let you look that while I talk yeah. to him, Duncan. Yeah, Tim, Tim has been great, you know, and and uh, he did it with kindness and quiet. He was so quiet too, which the big fundamental, which was funny a lot. Tim doesn't get his due because of like the manner in which he did it. He was never flashy. Wasn't a huge dunker, wasn't a high riser. He was just effective and efficient. And uh, you know, he 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 got it done. And the Warriors are kind of like the modern day Spurs. You know, they've yeah. six in eight years, six titles, six championship appearances in eight years, won four of them. You know, that's 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 the Warriors staple. And we know the connection between we know the connection between Steve Kerr and Pop, which, you know, they think super highly of each other. And I'm looking, yeah, he's a five time champion. Five time, yeah. Yeah. Ninety nine, oh three, oh five, oh seven, and then the last one in twenty fourteen. Which is I think that's kind of the warrior blueprint. Not that they want to have them that spread out, but they want to be really good. For a long time. And I think that's why Joe Lacob embraces this two timeline plan. They see the young players that they have as the key to being able to be really good and relevant and a team that competes for championships over a long period of time. I mean, Tim Duncan won the first one, as I said, 1999, the last one in 2014. That's the type of team the Warriors want to be. 1999. What was it, like his second year in the league? I remember it was the Twin Towers. It was him and David Robinson. Yes. That was a good yeah. team. I think they beat the Knicks in the uh, championship. I remember watching that series. It was a lockout year. Yeah. Yeah, that was the Latrell, Sprewell, and Allen, You're right, Houston, it was his Knicks. second year, yeah. Yeah, you know, the thing that always keeps me up at night, the, the Sixers, the year of the Tim Duncan draft, the Sixers had the worst record in the NBA by like eight games. They're terrible. The lottery screwed them. They got the second pick instead of the first. They had to settle for Keith Van Horn instead of Tim Duncan. <sighs> yeah, it happens. Oh, man. Iverson-Duncan pairing, that would have been pretty pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, the Spurs got kind of lucky there. You win, you got David Robinson a few years later, and you win the lottery again. You got Tim Duncan. Yeah. Good for you. David Robinson was another guy who was so good. Mm-hmm. He was so good. He, he might not be as... Uh, 
his resume might not be as accomplished as some of these other guys, but when it just comes to talent and skills, he was tough. Well, you know who some say is a young David Robinson, right? James Wiseman, right? We'll get to that uh, first. Don't hold your breath. 888-957-9570. Is this Dory? Uh, San Francisco, 95-7 the game. Hi, is this Dory? It is is Dory. Uh, You you once asked me what my my names of my cats a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. Lausa and Wooney, just to get that out of the way with. uh, But Jason and and Whitey, I think one of you said, or whatever, something to the effect that Kyrie and KD are, are cancers together. And I, I just disagree with this whole narrative. Just, you know, rewind to two seasons, Game 7 against Milwaukee. KD has a shoe size that's an eighth of an inch smaller. They then win the series because that was Game 7. That was a game winner if it had been a three-pointer. Yeah. And then they play Phoenix, and I think they win. So then we're talking about KD and Kyrie already having won a championship. And all of this narrative about, you know, they're just head cases that can't play together would not be happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't think KD is a – I don't see him as a cancer. I think uh, I think he's a great player. Kyrie is just a weird dude. I just <laughs> – <laughs> and that's the one thing I question about KD is, yeah, I'm, I think I'm with you, Dory. I may be making an assumption in here, uh, here. Everything that happened with KD and the stuff he said when he was serious, like, I, I don't care. He was a great player. But I, the one thing I question about him is why? Why do you go and assume that it's going to work with Kyrie? Because Kyrie is just you don't know what planet he's on at any given moment. Yeah, Kyrie's out there. He's another smartest guy in the room. Can't tell him nothing. He has a problem with authority. Uh, remember, like at this point, what it was probably like two months ago when that. End of season press conference when Kyrie was saying, like, I'm looking forward to myself, Kevin, and Bobby Marks uh, forming the future of this franchise, more or less said something like that. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been uh, anything less self-aware than that statement? He's saying that. Meanwhile, they're like, we don't want you. What do you mean? <laughs> I can't wait till I... You're not a manager. You're not a coach. The... I'll say this, though. The one reason why, if I were the Lakers, I'd try to make it happen this year is because, well, for one thing, I got limited options. But if we're ever going to handle that. Yeah. And if we're ever going to see Kyrie at his best, this should be the year because this is a year where he's trying to prove to the rest of the league what he can do. And what he, he wants another be long-term about. contract. Yes. So he would be motivated to be um, focusing <laughs> on the task at hand this year more than he's been in the last few years. I don't think Kevin Durant's a cancer head case. I mean, he's got some unusual habits on Twitter, but he's a phenomenal player. Kyrie's a phenomenal player, too, but I just don't think he's reliable. That, no, he's not reliable yeah, at all. Not at all. Nope. It doesn't matter what profession you're in, what business you're in, how much money you make, how little money you make. No manager wants an employee who makes their life more difficult. Nope. Nope. That, that is proof for any walk of life and Kyrie Irving makes his boss's lives more difficult objectively I don't even think that's an opinion based on everything he's done in his career he's just a difficult person so people get tired of that 
I get tired of it, and now he's not even my employee. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, retire if you don't want to hoop anymore. He, he wanted out of Cleveland. I mean, there's a point guard playing with LeBron, and that didn't work for you? Okay, I guess LeBron can be kind of overbearing. I don't know. They won a championship. He wants out. All right. Didn't make complete sense to me, but okay. You want to go to Boston? You're going to go to Boston, and then that's going well, to be I your team. To, to his to his defense with the Boston, he got traded there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily sure he wanted to go. But to he Boston. did force his way out. I yeah. Mean, you know, he forced he his out. way out. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know if he wanted to go to Boston, but your point is still valid. He gets to Boston and then he's like, ah, oh, this is uh, my team. And then that tanked. Yeah, right? yeah. And they got better without him. Yeah. Then he goes to Brooklyn and Brooklyn was pretty good with Kenny Atkinson. They were an overachieving team before he got there. And he went there and he started talking about we need better players, change all this. And then that thing unraveled. So. Yeah, at this point, I mean, <laughs> you got to be really careful with him, but the Lakers situation makes sense cuz he would you would think Ty- dangerous to assume what he's thinking, but you would think he'd be motivated to play well this year. Yeah, no, 100%. The dude can hoop and when he's locked in and focused on basketball, there's there's seldom anyone better mm-hmm. as a point guard. Probably just Steph. That's it. Um but you, you never know what you're getting with him. You know, he... You don't even know, especially last year, you don't even know if he's going to be there. By the way, he missed the, the Drew League game last night, right? He was a no-show, but he was at a camp. Yeah, he was yeah. with Phil Handy. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just don't know what you're getting with Kyrie Irving. He's a wild card. Uh, and he likes it that way. Yeah, I mean, he, this is one of those, those guys, he just, he knows everything. He knows everything, Whitey. You know, can't tell him anything. Yeah, but some of the things he knows aren't necessarily true. The world is not flat, for example. Oh, of course, I'm being I'm being sarcastic <laughs> when I say he knows everything. He, the people who are always the smartest in the room and know everything are usually the dumbest in the room. Their logic is super flawed. Uh, his logics for not wanting to get vaccinated was super flawed. Everything. He's just he's difficult. Yeah, there's no other way to say it. But super we talented, all, and he's like. We all grew up with someone like who doesn't get their way and they take the ball home and no one can play. That's Kyrie Irving. Oh, I don't get what I want. Well, I'm taking my ball from the court. I'm walking home. None of y'all can play. Mm-hmm. It's Kyrie Irving. So it would be great drama, though. Needless to say, if he were to rejoin LeBron with the Lakers, I don't know how it would no, work I would out. Be, I'm for oh, it. I'm I'd like it. to see that. I, I am 100% for it. I would love to see them pair up again and... Yeah, you know it, it'll be uh, it'll be cool to see uh, Kevin Durant. He's not a difficult guy. I don't think he just. I don't know, man. The biggest mistake of his life was coming to Golden State. It, that's dramatic. I want to say the biggest mistake of his life. The biggest mistake of his basketball career was coming to Golden State. I think it was a mistake just because I don't think he knew how people were going to see him. And I think he thought, if I go there and I win, then every then I'm vindicated. And instead, people looked at that and said, oh, see, you you went you went the easy way. And I think that kind of surprised him. I don't think he anticipated that was another moment. going to react. Yeah. Absolutely no self-awareness. Yeah. None. Dude, come on. I could have told you how bad that would have been. You blow a 3-1 lead to the team that won 73 games. And then right after they beat you, you go join them. A player of your ilk, top 20 of all time, you don't do that. You don't, you don't do that. And that's my opinion. And that's 
the majority of people's opinions. And I think that threw him off guard and he became this defensive person. And now he's like embraced it. But I don't even think that's naturally him. He's playing it off Mm -hmm. because he got caught with the burner and it looked really bad. So now he really plays into this reactive or I go at people on Twitter. It's, It's he made that mistake of going to Golden State. You know, he could have gone anywhere but Golden State or Cleveland, and no one would have said a thing. And yeah, you know, maybe say he he doesn't go to go to say he doesn't go to Golden State, and he still has no rings. Yeah, he'll get dinged for that every now and then, but he would have more respect, and that kills him. He's not going to tell you it doesn't, but it does. It kills him. He shouldn't have come to Golden State. I know it was great for Warriors fans, and they got a couple more parades out of it because he was so good. But for his personal career and his perception, that was the worst move he could have made. Where do you think he ends up? You think he stays in Brooklyn? I think he's going to Miami. I think there's a really good chance he ends up in Miami. Well, the markets aren't great for him right now. So I I think he might start the season in Brooklyn. And, hey, maybe things things turn out okay. Uh, I don't see him moving this offseason. This just – the markets aren't great. There's not many markets – for, there's not many people in the market for a KD who can who can legitimately get the deal done with what the Nets will want. My and, understanding is Brooklyn was a little surprised by that too, and they realized, wow, we thought more people would be a lot more interested in KD. Yeah, well, they are. They're just a asking price, and the positions that teams are in right now, they don't have it. So, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, I would like look. I root for the Sixers when I'm not working professionally uh so katie oh, wait 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 so you would have us believe that when you're working professionally you turn that off i do i do i genuinely do um so when what was i going to say um so of course it would be better for a sixers fan to get katie out of the east but as a reporter as a basketball fan i want katie to stay in brooklyn I would like him to see that through. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. I don't even know why they're mad. They've both been so silent on the situation. I would love to hear from them. But I know all of this is strategic. They, Kyrie, uh, excuse me, Kevin Durant, I almost said Kyrie. KD did come out and say at one point, whatever they do with Kyrie, that's fine. What just that they'll, they'll handle that. So he kind of made a statement, but it was, I am not getting mixed up in this. Right. Which was actually one of the smarter things he's done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting, but I love the drama. I love the anarchy. I want it all. Yeah. It's one of the things that makes the NBA offseason so interesting when it wasn't that long ago. No one cared about the NBA in the offseason. People barely cared about the NBA during the season itself. We got the answer to the question that you threw out there, and it was an obvious one. And thanks for the help on the text line. Uh, the richest owner in the NBA, $91.4 billion. Steve Ballmer, LA Clippers. Yeah. Steve Ballmer, I, that's another guy I talked to at uh, Summer League. Yeah, I saw him there and he was. He declined an his... interview, but oh, he, he? He, was, he was polite about it. Yeah. He was polite about it. We we had a brief conversation off uh, you know, off the record. Not not about anything crazy. Uh, but he was like, you know what, I just I would prefer not to. I would prefer just to watch this game. And I, you know, I was like, oh, that's fine. Uh-huh. You know, that's fine. But yeah, Bomber is, uh, he's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And big year for them. I know. I mean, 
There were some rumblings about Kyrie wanting to go there too, but I think them getting John Wall kind of they don't need they don't need Reggie Jackson, Kyrie Irving, John Wall. They don't need all those guards. I wouldn't be shocked if it ended up where Paul George goes out as part of a package that brings back KD. I don't know. So KD, so KD and Kawhi. KD and Kawhi. Wow. Jerry West, you know, he's a consultant there. He loves Kevin Durant. Who doesn't? I know. I mean, he really loves Kevin Durant. So kind of a long shot. I think he's going to Miami. I guess at this point, it looks like maybe staying where he is. is Who does Miami like? So what does that team look like? Well, who do, they, who do they have to flip? Not to uh, dodge your question, but it gets really complicated because you got the whole thing with Bam. Because mm-hmm. um, you and, can't trade Bam, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't. They might have to end up trading Butler to make it work. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't. Butler, Butler, Harrow, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they want. They no one seems to want Duncan Robinson anymore. So, but you know that Pat Riley he got paid though. Sees that as a way, like, wow, okay, well that that would work. So. Um, I would, yeah, I think Miami most likely, and I'm, I just think the Clippers, I still think there's a chance there. Uh, coming up next, we got a special guest, right, Jason? I know you lined this up for us. We're going to be talking to Draymond's trainer. Yeah, Travis Walton, Draymond Green's trainer, his confidant, best friend, former teammate at Michigan State. Uh, a lot of Draymond Green's success, he says this himself, he owes it to Travis. So someone who can give us some great insight on the Warrior season, Draymond Green season, what they're attacking into offseason, his offseason mindset, and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, Draymond's trainer Travis Walton joins us next. Jason Dumas, Whitey Gleason, 95.7 The Game. Yeah, I'm the- now back. To 95.7 The Game. Got some bangers coming back. Yeah. yeah. Jason Dumas, Whitey Gleason with you. Jason Dumas has lined up a very special guest for us. Nice enough to join us here. 2009 Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year at Michigan State. A G League coach. Draymond Green's former teammate. Draymond Green's trainer, Travis Walton, with us on 95.7 The Game. Travis, thanks for your time. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Thanks We're, for having me on. Absolutely. Of course, man. Yeah. Thanks for hopping on with us. We appreciate it. Can you just tell fans how Draymond's reaction to winning this title compared to how he felt about winning titles in the past, Travis? I think his reaction was 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 like he was just like he felt um he felt amazing. I think ever after having three years of obviously not um performing at the way the Warriors wanted to perform with the injuries and you know, having a losing season and then, you know, not making it to the all-star game. So all those things, I think, winning the championship this year, uh, we'll go back. It started with winning a gold medal. Right. Mm-hmm. After winning a gold medal, right, starting the season off having a great year and then obviously having the injury, but then still making it, becoming an all-star. And then um, winning the championship, I think it just checked all the things that he had on his list of wanting to check off. Yeah, Travis, he obviously would have been the runaway defensive player of the year had he not had that injury. But I want to take it back uh, going into that season. You know, from the naked eye, what we see from Draymond Green, he's an extremely confident guy. Um, 
But Draymond, he admitted this himself at some point during the year during a press conference. He said after after that season uh, where he said two years ago he had the worst year of his career and then the follow-up season, they don't make the playoffs, he said there were times where he started to doubt himself, whether whether he still had it. And you, not only are you his skills trainer, obviously, but you guys are close friends and you're kind of a life coach too. He said, I had to lean on Trav to help me get my confidence back to what was that off season like before this season? He said it was kind of almost like a reset, uh, just going through that off season, going through the work you guys did uh, going into this year and ended up having a really, really successful season. Yeah, for me, so for me, it's always been, and we have always talked about, you know, like standing and looking forward. So even with him not having the, the year he wanted to have, I've always tried to find the good out of everything uh, when it comes with him. You know, I think when he does something, everyone highlights it. Oh, he's not shooting well, or he's not doing this, or is he getting too many technicals? So when he comes into the summer, I always call it a, re- a refreshener. Every day we come in the gym, is great energy. The people that's around us is great energy. So for us, it was always just, hey, well, what do we need to do? Like, let's go back to the drawing board. Um, are we focused on your shooting? Are we focused on all areas of the game, like your floaters, your, your ball handling? And that summer was more like, you know what, let's take, a seat, let's take a step back and let's not totally focus on shooting. Let's just make sure we're cleaning up and sharpening every part of your game. Uh, and I, and that was, I think that was a big focus for us a year, you know, a year ago. And then coming into this summer, well, last coming into this season, it was kind of sharpening those things again, just staying sharp and, um, he shot the highest field goal percentage of his career this year. Travis Walton with us. He's uh, Draymond Green's friend, former teammate and trainer. Speaking of shooting, Travis, um, LeBron, excuse me. We know that in, in 2016 that Draymond shot 388 from the three-point line, and his numbers have fallen off since then for obviously a lot of reasons. Is Draymond ever going to approach the three-point shooting numbers that he put up in, in 2016? Is that something that that you and he are, are, are looking at uh, that concerns you? No, it doesn't concern me because well, it's always a goal for him to shoot better. Mm-hmm. For me, the things that, that I talk about with him is I say look at the analytical side where – when he shot 38% from the three, he was taking about 3.4, 3.8 around that percentage, which gives you like a really good, uh, a, a really good uh, look, mm-hmm. a true percentage. If you look at the years, you know, the last couple years, he has shot maybe two threes a game. This year, he shot 1.2 threes per game. So when you take that into account, you're really not getting a true percentage because you're you're basically shooting one or two threes a game. If you make two, right, that's two for two, 100%. If you miss three the next game, you're looking at two for five. You miss another one, you at two for six. So when I take a look at that, I always tell him, well, if you want to get your percentage higher, you need to shoot a little bit more hmm. on the three-point line. If you're not going to take a lot of threes, you can't really focus on the percentage. Now, the world, everyone that's looking at it is saying, hey, you shot 28%. They're not looking at how many attempts you're taking. If right. you look at a person's true percentage, you like most guys, if you're taking three, four, four, five, then you can probably say, hey, this guy is actually a 30% shooter, a 35% shooter. But when you're taking one or two threes a game, I don't think you can really say this guy is not a good shooter. 
Yeah. So I think for I think when it comes with Draymond, that's how I speak with him. Right? When I break it all the way down and I look at all his numbers, I'll go, Hey, so look at this. I did a I did a project on him and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I talked about this with Jason one time. Um, I did a project and I told him because we were looking at I said, Hey Draymond, don't look at percentages. It's hard. It's hard to not look and say I'm shooting twenty eight percent. Because everyone talks about that when they're talking about your shooting. I say, well, look at the numbers. The numbers tell me that at that time, he had, I think it was two years ago, he played 63 games. And in those 63 games, he had maybe five games where he had five threes. In those five games, I think he was three for five, two games, and two for five, three games. Right? And then there was like 12 games, he was like 0 for 1, 0 for 2. There was another 10 games, he was like 0 for 2 or 0 for 3. So when you take in those numbers, you're not really giving yourself an honest chance, but his game is not based on shooting. So when you take all of that into account and you start to put your focus to other areas, okay, let's make sure our finishing is really good. Let's make sure that your floater package is really good. And looked at it from that perspective, then we come off with a better field goal percentage, the best of his career. He shot 52% from the field. Mm -hmm. Right. All right, yeah, now, I've already seen Draymond has already started to get back into it with his off-scene training. I, you know, I saw him training in Vegas, and then I saw you guys with, were with uh, another Spartan dog, uh, Gary Harris, get, getting it in. What's Draymond's mindset heading into this off-season, and what particularly does he want to accomplish? Well, the one thing we want to go in is, you know, we want to be in great shape, right? The best shape we can possibly be in, given that, um, he's coming off a long season with the finals run. I thought the year before was great because he was able to stay competitive and stay in shape because he did the USA and they want to go medal. So that right there just puts you in a certain mindset that you just can't get in the summer. So, you know, right now we're just getting back started um, with our workouts and, you know, the focus is kind of the same as far as just making sure we're, uh, we want to have, you know, continue to improve on his field goal percentage and, keep it where it was at, and then obviously focus on the shooting and, you know, get those numbers up a little bit. But for me, again, I would say, like, for those to be up, I think his shot attempts have to be up. And because he doesn't go in the game thinking I need to take this amount of threes, I think it's more a feel for him. Travis Walton with us, Draymond Green's uh, trainer. Travis, you mentioned uh, the year that Draymond went through. Given the fact that he went through a you know, back injury that, from what we know, Know, potentially serious and he came back played really well but does that change at all his offseason approach the fact that he is still dealing with that back issue no it really doesn't i think for us it's more and for him it's just the trainers and whatever they're they're advising from the off the court stuff and making mm -hmm. sure he's standing inside the the weight room and doing exactly what rick wants him to do um the on court stuff um i communicate with draymond and when i need to communicate with rick i do as well um uh, but he's feeling great. I, I, those things are not even anything we speak about because his body is feeling great. His mind is great. And, you know, we're looking forward to a great summer. Trav, you know, as Draymond's friend, forget about being his trainer for one second. As Draymond's friend, I saw you out there in Boston uh, when they clinched. And we were all in Boston. They were hard on him in that city. We saw the shirts. We heard the chants. Uh, I'm from Philly, so I know tough fans, but that was even something I was taken aback of. It was it was intense. One, they finally got over that hump and that final buzzer sound. 
how happy for him were you and just what was his mindset like and his emotions like after this past championship? Oh, it was incredible. So the best thing was, I'm not sure if you guys seen it, was when he came out for his pregame routine, game six. And I remember him coming out, and we were sitting on the court, and it was uh, me and our other great friend, his barber, Brownie. And we were sitting there. He came through, and I can tell his energy was just vibrant. And I knew that he was going to have a great game. And he was already sitting like, yes, yeah, it's, it's over. It's over. I like, watch this. So I think the way that they played, they started the game. He made a floater. It was two to twelve, um, and I was in the stands, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is perfect." Boston came out rolling, and the Warriors just missed a couple shots. They had their run, and it's going to be a splash. So after the game, I could just see from him like the accomplishment, like, wow, this is incredible. And I did it in an environment that that he said was one of the toughest environments he ever played in just because of the stuff that was being said. Like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't expect I was going to come out and people were going to have on those type of T-shirts with the F. Draymond and yelling at the family and all the things that the Boston fans were saying. So I think to seal it on their court, it just meant a lot more. And to play the way he played, he almost had a triple-double. Yeah, big shots, too. Talking with Travis Walton, Draymond Green's trainer. And, Travis, we said you you were a great defensive player, 2009 Defensive Player of the Year, Big Ten. We know Draymond's an all-time great defensive player. Is it frustrating for him sometimes to watch some of the younger players when they struggle with defensive principles that he has mastered and has always had good instincts uh, for, and he's mastered these principles years and years ago. How frustrating is that for him and for you when you see players struggling with defensive things that you had mastered? Yeah, well, I don't know how. I don't know if it's frustrating as much as it's the same as an offensive guy, right? If they swing it to you and they want you to shoot the basketball and you don't shoot it, right? They can have the same type of feeling. So I think you have to find a balance of saying, okay, this is my job, so I, I need to know how to anchor the defense, which he has done an amazing yeah, job of. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for any defender is, hey, you don't have to be as great of a defender as I am. You just have to give effort and mm. compete. So I think for Draymond, the big thing for him is just, hey, compete, play hard, and I can back you up because he's a great help side defender. So if you give the effort, then I can make up – I can help you – with the mistakes that you are making. And I think that's the biggest thing when you come with a defender is that just give effort, right? But you don't get as frustrated as much as you're saying, compete, get the effort that we need so I can help you because I'm that good. I can back you up. Travis, in this you know modern NBA world where we see so much player movement and player empowerment, which I think is is a good thing. I think players, you know, in most cases, should be able to pick where they can play and whatnot. But through all that, you've seen Steph, Draymond, and Clay play together for so long. How special is that? And what kind of connection have those three built over the years? Oh man, it's incredible. That's like the Spurs, the Ginobili, Tony Parker, Tony Parker. Tim Duncan, like, that that stuff doesn't happen in, in basketball often. So when you get to see that and you see up closely how close they really are, how much they really enjoy each other, um, 
it's just amazing to watch and to be, and I'm blessed to just be a small part of it to just, you know, be able to watch and see it from a, you know, a up, up close and personal look. Um, and to watch how they have grown together from when they first started. Um, and then also Iggy, right? Iggy's been a part of that right. whole yeah. plan with them all. So just to kind of watch it and then to see the respect level they have for Iggy and then the respect level they have for one, uh, for one another, it's just incredible to watch. And one more before I let you go, as a, as a Hoops fan, someone who's around a game, two big names on the market right now could be on the move, Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell. Where do you see those two going? Just, just an opinion. Ah, uh, that's a great – I I think the, the market for Donovan, I heard New York, I think that's a great market for him. I think um, Donovan has shown the ability to pick up a, a organization and keep on rolling. Gordon Hayward done a great, did a great job with Utah, and then when he left for Boston, Donovan came in and he took it to another level. Right. So I think he can do potentially the same thing with New York and their fan base wants a guy like that that's like, hey, he's a go-getter. And I think KD, wherever he goes, um, I think he immediately changes the organization and he changes the uh, the mindset of the organization from his work ethic, you know. So it, it, it's just so much you have to give up for KD, which every piece that you have to give up is well-deserved and you should because KD is, you know, obviously uh, one of the best players of our generation and ever in basketball. So it'll be interesting to see where those guys go. Travis, we appreciate your time. You've known Draymond a long time. When you're working with him, if he ever doesn't agree with what, what you guys are working on or he doesn't like it, how many times have you had to tee him up during your during your training sessions? <laughs> well, well, that's the best part about it is that uh, I'm not a yes man. So <laughs> if I don't think something is going right or if he doesn't agree with something, he's going to tell me. He's going to, hey, say, Travis, do this. And I'm going to say, hey, well, I think we should be doing this for this reason. And he's going to say, hey, well, I want to do this. I'm like, well, let's just work through it. And if it ain't working, let's fix, <laughs> let's fix it the next day. So that's what has made our relationship so strong as brothers first. And as a trainer for him, secondly, is that we have an open relationship. And I'm not a yes man where everything he says, I just run and do. Um, and he trusts me that, you know, I'm doing my job as far as studying film and saying things that are, are correct and to help him. Well, congratulations on everything you did to help him win another championship. And thank you very much for your time, Travis Walt. We appreciate it. Hope to talk to you again soon. Appreciate you, Trav. Oh, thank you for guys having me on. Thank you. It was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Travis Walton on 95.7 The Game. Draymond's trainer. That's an interesting approach. Uh, that they take as far as the shooting goes. I asked about the three-point shooting. It's like, well, you got to take more shots because you're taking two a game. You know, yeah, it, it makes throws, sense. Kind of throws the numbers out of whack. Right, because if bit. you, you know, if you go over two, yeah. a couple straight nights, that takes yeah. your percentage. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, he's right. If he shoots five, he's probably gonna, he's probably gonna hit two or three more. That that makes a whole lot of sense. And I never even looked at it from that vantage point. But I also, it's obviously something that they have talked about. Yeah. I do get on Draymond, and I should have asked this. Now I'm smack, smacking myself in the head. I do get on Draymond, shoot more. Because I get it, and I've heard Draymond say, you know, why would I take a shot when I can swing it over to Steph Curry or I can get it to Clay Thompson or Jordan Poole, who who are all high big time shot makers. But there's been times where I just watch Draymond, and I'm like, right, you got to put that up. Whether you make it or miss it is almost 
irrelevant. You just need to keep that defense honest because the way they're playing you right now is almost like it's four on five on offense. Yeah. Uh, there's been so many times over the years where I'm just like, put that up, Draymond. It almost doesn't even matter if it goes in. You need to make them guard you. Um, Sometimes, to your point, we all know, know this, and I think Travis mentioned it, a shot not taken in an offensive set sometimes when it's the ball goes a certain time, certain spot, if you don't take the shot, it disrupts things almost as badly as a missed shot. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but in terms of percentages, I never really paid attention to Draymond's percentages as well. Just like Travis said, one, not for the reason Travis gave us because he doesn't shoot as much. I didn't think of it, and I'm so appreciative that Travis gave me that perspective. For me, it's more uh Draymond's just he's a gamer. Like, yeah, he he had he had a couple stinkers in that Celtic series, but like Travis said, how Draymond looked at him before game six and said, This is over. Like, I knew he was gonna come through and have a good game. And I knew when when it really comes down to it, Draymond's gonna be in that foxhole and make plays for his team. And he hit some huge shots that game. Like Travis said, he almost had a triple double. Mm-hmm. So you know, guys who tick like that and and are gamers and and really just play well when you really need them to. I never really worry about the percentage. I always know they're and Draymond's the type of guy like, all right, his he's not playing well offensively. He's gonna help you on the defensive end. He's gonna get a loose ball, he's gonna get a block, he's gonna get a deflection, he's gonna do things to help you win games. And he's done that through his career and He's going to go down as one of the best role players of all time. Like, cause, and when I call Draymond a role player, I'm not. That's not a slight. Um, like the star players on the team are Steph Curry and and Clay. And, and Clay over the years and KD over the years. Draymond is he has a role on the team and he's perfected it. He's one of the best role players. Like Dennis Rodman was a role player. He's one of the best role players of all time. He's going to be a role player in the NBA Hall of Fame. That's why one of the reasons I worried so much about his back issues because he's done more of the heavy lifting throughout these championships than anybody else. I mean, right. they all work really hard, but he's done defensive rebounding, dirty work. Now you asked Travis about you know where's KD going to go, and we were talking before we brought Travis on about a possibility of Kevin Durant going maybe to Miami. And you said, what would that take? And I, I, I looked this up. Here's a potential. I'm not saying this is rumored. I'm not saying they're talking about this. But just to give you an idea, well, what would it take? How could they put together a deal, uh, Miami and Brooklyn, for Kevin Durant? And assuming that Miami did want to keep uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and that's, of course, with Bam Adebayo and uh, Ben Simmons, that's a whole other set of considerations. But here's something that would work. Just, again, as a general framework. Um, Miami gets Kevin Durant, Brooklyn would get Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, Nikola Jovic, 2023 first-round pick, 2027 first-round pick, 2029 first-round pick. Now, again, I'm not saying they're talking no. about it. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, Brooklyn would do that, but it would take a deal of that magnitude to even have a chance uh, of that trade happening. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, and did you you heard what Travis said? I'm not putting any words in his mouth, and this is all speculatory, speculatory. But Travis said you'd have to give up a lot for Kevin Durant. <laughs> that led me to believe. Ah, come on, the Warriors don't do that. He, yeah, but but it's true. Like, not to say he's not worth it. And Travis said the same thing. Like he's worth it. He's worth like, understandably so. He would take up a lot of guys. He's one of the best of our generation, but. Do you want to go down that path? If you're a Warriors fan, is acquiring Kevin Durant worth losing 
Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga. And wouldn't Wiggins have to be in there just salary-wise? Andrew Wiggins. So Poole, Wiggins, Kaminga, and then probably either Moody or Wiseman. So let's let's just call it Wiseman. Wiseman, Wiggins, Poole, Kaminga, and maybe some picks. Is that worth it? Hmm. Short-term, probably. Long-term, probably not. Did you happen to hear Steiny's theory on on what's going on with the talks? And this is just a theory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I was, didn't. What, okay. what did he say? I was in Friday with Dibs and doing the crossover with J.D. and Steiny. Steiny says his guess would be that the Warriors talk with Brooklyn and the Warriors would want Brooklyn to take one of the Warriors' big contracts like Clay or Draymond to take that off their hands. So that way they'd bring in Durant, but they wouldn't have to sacrifice the future. Again, he didn't say that he'd heard anything. He just said he wouldn't be surprised if that's something that they'd been talking about. And that Brooklyn, of course, would go, no, we don't we don't want to do that. Who said that, Steiny? Steiny, that was Steiny's theory. Nah. First of all, Steph signs off on everything, even though he will allude not to. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that Steph signs off on everything. But if it was a tr- moving a Clay or a Draymond, the Warriors absolutely don't do that unless Steph signs off on it. There's no chance they would do it unless he signs off and on it, and on he it. ain't on signing off on that. Yeah, so that would point. never happen. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Warriors' future, what have you thought about the way the young players look at Summer League with the Warriors wrapping up uh, the Las Vegas Summer League today? That's next. Jason Dumas and Whitey Gleason on 95.7 The Game.